Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. We've started in the month of November talking about thanks and talking about gratitude. And without any further ado, I'm going to jump right in. And uh, we're going to talk tonight about the forgotten virtue of gratitude. The virtue of gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Gratitude. Come on, one more time. Say gratitude. gratitude. I've learned something else, too, preaching to teenagers for many years, that I do better when you kind of help me a little bit. So... If you need to clap your hands sometimes, you go ahead, feel free to clap your hands. If you want to say amen, go ahead and say amen. I heard one preacher say it this way. He said, I'm a holler back preacher. Okay, so if you want to, if you want to, you know, say whatever, I'm good with that. All right. Here we go. Luke chapter 17, 11 through 13 says it this way. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered Into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers. You know the story, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know the story. These men were were very sick. They were stricken with a disease. And let me give you some context here so you'll be totally clued in. A leper had one of the most painful diseases that you could ever begin to imagine. You've probably seen pictures on the internet, but they literally would have oozing sores just standing there, laying there. Their their body would just literally ooze. (laughs) The sickness would actually affect their nerve endings. It was the most painful thing that you can begin to imagine. They could literally go to sleep in the middle of the night and Because of their sores, they might wake up and a rat could have gnawed a limb off or maybe a finger or something to that effect. It was very common. That's not something that happened one time and is recorded. This is something that happened many, many times. But that wasn't the worst of it. The physical pain was bad, of course, but according to Leviticus 13, whenever somebody got close, the people infected with the disease literally themselves had to scream out, unclean, unclean, as a signal to stay away, warning people to turn and go the other way, a very humiliating, not only painful, but humiliating disease. These people not only were physically hurting all of the time, but you can only imagine the emotional pain of not having relationships, no contact, no intimacy. Imagine not being hugged for years. Some of you are like, I'd be okay with that. Get away from me, people. Especially during flu season. So these ten guys, they, they see across the street that there's a man coming their way. 
And this man has been rumored to heal people. He, he's done some miraculous things. And so you can only imagine the excitement. Imagine how you would feel knowing that you've got a disease that you will never be cured of. And here comes a man who you've heard can fix your situation and heal your terrible issues. Jesus, help me, please. This could literally be the greatest moment of my life if you would stop for just a second and you would have mercy upon me. The miracle of all miracles could take place right now if you would just stop. Can you heal me? Can you heal me? Scripture says this in Luke 17, 14. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, They were cleansed. You know the story. Well, miracle, wonderful miracle healed. Their disease was gone. The greatest dream that they could ever imagine. The most outlandish of prayers. We have difficulty praying for blessings over our family all the time. Can you imagine? Jesus, can you you really heal? It's done. What, What else do you need? Check, healed, you're good. Healed. Disease gone. And verse 15 says something very interesting. you got to catch this. And one. Everybody say one. You know the story. When he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. Gratitude has the power to change everything around you, even if everything around you never changes. Listen, I'm going to give you four things tonight. We're going to talk about four observations On gratitude, And here's our first observation flowing from the story in the context of which we just read. The first observation about gratitude is this, is that gratitude is never invisible or silent. That's why the Bible says in Luke 6.45, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Updated version, out of the overflow of the heart, the fingers tweet and comment on Facebook. I'm just going to go on right there. <laughs> Verbalize your gratitude as we approach this holiday season. And You know what? Let's do this. I do this in, in student ministry t- sometimes. I wish right now, as we're talking about verbalizing your gratitude, if you have a cell phone, take your cell phone out right now. Come on, come on, come on. Let's do this together. I don't have my phone. Throw me my phone. If you do this on Sunday, not good, but tonight you have permission. Right now, for the next five seconds, ten seconds, send a text message to somebody. Tweet. Write a comment on Facebook. Come on, take take just a second to verbalize your gratitude to somebody. When's the last time you opened your mouth and said thanks to somebody? 
Some of you really aren't taking it seriously. Like, I'm t- really, take your, take your phone out. Come on, I'm going to pause for just a moment because I'm going to do this as well. But Brad, it doesn't really mean much. You don't know what a little message, a little hug, a little tap on the back can do for somebody that has put time and effort into your life. Verbalize. Who's text- There's people texting me right now. Y'all stop, I'm trying to preach. Oh, Lord. I'm not even on Twitter. Sign up for Twitter so you can tell somebody thank you. Who cares? Just hashtag something. That's what you're supposed to do, right, Pastor? Hashtag? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) When's the last time you honored a mentor of yours? When's the last time you honored your kid's teacher at school? Or when's the last time you honored your... Your child's teacher on the other side of the building for week after week after week, putting in and reinforcing the word of God that you're teaching at home. When's the last time in the hustle and bustle of trying to get your kids checked out and going to lunch that you said, hey, can I, can I just tell you thank you? It's not easy what they do every single week while we're in here. Soaking up the word of God. They're pouring into your children. Oh, but Brad, it's just baby. It's not just babysitting. I'm a product of a Sunday school classroom when I was two and three years old. In fact, of this very church. I'm not anything special, but God can use me to do something. And he can use your children because of what teachers are putting in them right now. When's the last time you verbalized your gratitude? Listen, if you're really grateful, you will say it and you will show it. And I'm learning more and more as I get older that just like the one man, the the one leper, the very first thing that I need to do is give him thanks. The very first thing before I even move towards my miracle and head towards the priest, because that's what Jesus told him to do. He, he didn't heal him on the spot. He said, you guys go. And on their way, they were healed. And as he was going on his way, he stopped and gave thanks. The first thing I need to do when I wake up in the morning is say, thank you. For your mercies that I don't deserve. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my family. Thank you for a church. Here's what we pray with with Windsor every night. And Cass started this. I wish I could take credit for this. But I can't. It's that good. God I thank you. For a house to live in. A bed to sleep in. Clothes to wear. Food to eat. And a church to go to. When's the last time you had childlike faith? And you took time to remember the things that we so often take for granted. God, I thank you for my home. I thank you for my kid. Thank you for my daughter who spits up and makes me change shirts right before church oftentimes. I thank you for her. I love her. Thank you for blessing me beyond what I deserve. Thank you for clothes. Show, verbalize your gratitude. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I don't talk about it much, but 
I'm grateful. You know my heart. No, I don't really know your heart. Uh, I'm not a cardiologist. Listen, and, and it's a funny point, but neither is your husband, neither is your wife. Neither are your children. Well, she knows I love her. I mean, we've been married for... Take time to express your gratitude. Hey, honey, thank you for doing the laundry today. Wives, to your... Hey, thank you for working to provide for our family. Express and verbalize your gratitude. Gratitude is never... Invisible or silent. So will you be the one? Or will you be one of the nine? Honestly and truthfully, the odds are stacked against you. One in ten. Will you be the one or will you be the nine? Will you be the one that on a daily basis pauses to give glory and honor to the one that gave you life? Will you be the one to stop in the middle of all the busyness and lift up a true heartfelt worship to the creator and the sustainer of life? Will you be the one to give praise and honor and worship and glory to the one who when you were a sinner, Jesus came and died for you? Will you be the one or will you be too busy and just be one of the nine? Listen, here's the thing about They both received the healing of leprosy. Uh, They were both healed there. But the Bible, if you read closely, says that the man that came back, he was healed just with the other men. But, But Jesus says, your faith has made you Whole. One writer said it this way. When I, when I read this, it, it moved me. He said this, whole signifies a soul healing that is more than skin deep. Does, does being grateful really matter? Sure, you can be healed and Jesus will take care of you and he will heal your circumstances, but you'll never reach your full potential until you understand the importance of being grateful. The emotional pain, the scars that the man held from being a leper for many years, it signifies more than just a physical healing. But being made whole signifies something that is way more than skin deep. Healed or made whole. Verbalize your gratitude this season. The second observation that I want to make tonight about gratitude is this. Gratitude sustains joy and blessings. When you think of a guitar player... I have no business doing this right now. I'm not even going to put that on. I don't even know what that is. It scares me. When you think of a guitar player, here's my dad can play the guitar, and he's just, you think, you see their hands, and they're like, and most of the time they're not standing still. They're like, and the rockers, you, you know the rockers. Do I need, okay, I'll do it. Okay, so we, we envision. You're welcome, by the way. You're welcome for that. I now have a headache. Let's have prayer. Lord, touch Brad for his headache from headbanging. <clears throat> when you picture guitar players, 
you see them doing a lot with their hands and with their, their heads, you know, just kind of going crazy. But there's a whole lot more going on when you're playing a guitar than what you see going on up here. And ah, there, there's a, just a whole lot more than that. And I want to show you this picture. Check this out. They're going to flash it up here. This is a pedal board. Now, do I know how to use one of those? No, but I know what a pedal board does, okay? A pedal board, the good rock guitar players and crazy good guitar players, when they're really jamming out, they're down here, they're like, they're dancing with their feet, hitting, a, hitting all the different pedals. Michael, you know, you know what one of these is. Michael jams out all the time. He knows what it is to have one of these, these pedal things. Sorry, I don't know the technical term. I just know that it's a pedal that you use with your feet. And all those pedals, they serve a different purpose for the guitar. And once again, I don't pretend to know a lot about playing the guitar. But between the time that the guitar player hits the note and you hear it, there's an effect put on on that note that actually makes it sound different if they were to hit and move one of those pedals. So for instance, there's a sustain pedal. There's a, an echo pedal. There's a reverb pedal. There's a distortion pedal. There's a compression pedal. There's an H2O pedal. Why would you have an H2O pedal? I don't know. In case I get thirsty while they're playing the guitar. I don't, I'm not sure... But here's what happens when we look at somebody's life who is blessed. We tend to just look at the inputs that are coming into their life. We tend to just look at the things that have happened to them to help them be the person that they are. But oftentimes the reason that people are so blessed really has less to do with the inputs... Not because of the good things that happen in their life, but it's actually how they process all of the stuff that has transpired in their life, both the good and the bad. And there's some of us sitting in here tonight who, who can't seem to sustain the blessings that God has given you. You can't seem to sustain it even though he pours it out more and more and more. It, it hits you for a second and then where'd it go? I, I'm up, I'm in a tizzy again. What, what's happened? Where are the blessings of God? And I believe in a lot of cases it's because we haven't learned how to be grateful. Listen, for instance... The echo pedal. The echo pedal on a guitar makes the note. What, what do you think? Hello, 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 hello. It makes the note go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Gratefulness. Gratefulness is the echo pedal of your life. And when you begin to process, 
with a spirit of gratefulness, the blessings that God pours out on your life, guess what they will just have to do? They go on and on and on. When you begin to think on the good things of God every day, instead of focusing on the negative, you're going to be surprised when you see that blessing that happened yesterday carries on to today and tomorrow and the next day and the next week. On and on. Gratefulness sustains blessings and joy. The distortion pedal, on the other hand, takes, takes the original note from the guitar and completely changes the sound, giving it a... That was my best impression, I don't it gives it a fuzzy kind of, you know, TV that really won't connect, kind of annoying sound. When you hear that, when it's like, that's, yeah, 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 that's the distortion pedal that the guitar player is hitting. Totally distorting the original note that was played by the guitar pedal. And when, when God pours out his blessings and we're unable, you know where I'm going, we're unable, we're unable to be grateful what you in turn do is you take the blessings of God and you, the, the things that he meant for good, the beautiful notes and the beautiful purpose that he has for your life, and you completely distort the blessings of God. And now what he meant for good, our ungrateful mindset and attitude has now squandered away the blessings that God has provided in your life. If you're living from blessing to blessing and then tizzy to tizzy, you got to learn how to be grateful. Maybe it's maybe it's how Joseph was able to say in Genesis 50 and 20 what you meant for evil. God actually in turn meant it for good. Listen when when he was done processing his betrayal what everybody else saw as betrayal, he saw as God working a bigger plan so that tons of other people can be saved. You mean you can actually see the good in the story? How can you see the good when your brothers leave you for dead? Because he, he knew what God had in store and what God was up to. Gratitude can take your joy and the blessings of God and sustain it. Gratitude can take your defeats and your shortcomings and turn it around. And in the same way that we can relive an offense that's happened to us over and over and over again. And, and we just don't forget what that person did to you. You, my friend, can relive the blessings of God in your life over and over and over again. If you are... Grateful. Everybody say grateful. grateful. Everybody say gratitude. gratitude. The third observation of gratitude is this. Gratitude begins when my sense of entitlement ends. 
There was a Boston consultant who was working with a, a bunch of college graduates, and he took all of these college graduates and, and, and said, listen, guys, today we're, we have interviewed a ton of people that are already in the workforce, and I'm going to give you one hint. They have come up with one word that starts with an E that they see this generation as. So they go through the list, energetic. Oh, yeah, that's us. We have so much energy. We're excellent. Yes, we're, we're all, yes, that's, that's, that's us. Keep going, guys, the consultant said. What the generation that's already in the workforce sees you as, college graduates, is entitled. Remember, remember when you actually had to win something to get a ribbon? Do you remember that? Seriously. You had to win something. Now you just have to show up. And it's like, hey, hey, Johnny, you were last. But we're so proud of you. You, you did so great. You were the slowest person. We're so, here's our ribbon, Johnny. Listen, I have a son, and I, I want to build his self-esteem as much as the next parent, so, so I get it. But now all you have to do is show up, and here, here's everything that we could offer you. I'll pet you. Remember, some of you remember when you could ride in the bed of a truck with 70,000 of your friends, and the cops would just wave as they go by and, and high-five you. And what we've done is we've, we've created an entitled generation. Now we wear helmets on bicycles, which, listen, there's nothing against it. My son has a bicycle, and he, got, he wears a helmet every time he goes out. But we've created a generation of entitled individuals, and it's not just with them. It's with you and I as well. Just last weekend... Um, we were out of town, and I was in a hotel room, and I was tired from the day. It was late. It was a Saturday, and all I wanted to do was see what happened in college football that day. I just wanted to know that I wanted to see the highlights, so I lay on the bed. I turn on ESPN. Actually, let, let me rephrase. I, have, I had it difficult, okay, like you and I often do. I turn the flat screen TV towards the bed. I turn on the TV and I turn it to the high-definition ESPN channel. God forbid I have to watch it in standard definition. And I lay on the bed. and This is God's honest truth. The only channel that was coming in and out, like you, it was just enough to tease you and then it would go away, was ESPN. You would have thought that the rapture had taken place and I was the only person on the earth. A 30-year-old man threw a fit to myself in the hotel room. All I want to do is watch ESPN and I can't... I'm entitled to ESPN. Come on, you're, you're on your computer seeing how many people liked your Facebook status. What? Yeah. And your computer, everybody else in the neighborhood is on the internet at the same time. And it just won't get to the page that you're trying to get to. And you throw the mouse, come on computer. 
Some of y'all sitting there, I've never done You're lying. I know you have. Everybody has. I got the fastest internet that I can pay for, and it's still too slow for me. I'm entitled to the fastest internet ever known to man. Google Fiber, get here now. I'm having fun tonight. I hope you guys are too. Luke 15, you know this story as well, a very popular story today. Luke 15 is a story about a father, two brothers, and it reminds me a lot of society that we live in today. And Scripture says this, verse 11 and 12, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. You know the story. Traditionally, when you receive your inheritance, it's after somebody passes away, but but now, now this guy, he wants his inheritance now. I want to go live my life. I, I don't want your rules, Daddy. I don't want to wait. I want what you have, and I want it now. I want it now. <laughs> so the father, for whatever reason, he, he gives it to his son. And once again, you, you're familiar. The Bible says that he went out and the son squandered it. He wasted it. He blew it. He hired women, had beer keg parties. He lived wild. And what took decades for the father, for perhaps years maybe, to accumulate, the ungrateful son totally wasted it in a matter of weeks or even months. I want it now. It doesn't matter if it's good for you or not. I want it now. It doesn't matter if it will destroy me. I want it now. I want what I'm entitled to. The younger brother equals the people in our society that say, I want it now and I'll get in debt if I have to have it now. I don't care the sacrifices that I'll put on my children because I want that TV now. Come on, Come on I'm preaching to me too. That's not, I'm, trust me. Enter the older brother into the story. And if, if you know the story, the younger brother goes off. He blows his inheritance. One day he wakes up and says, I'm a total idiot. What have I done? I've got to get back to my father's house. Something has to change. Even, even the slaves have more than I do right now. And so when he comes back, his father is waiting at the edge of town, thanking God that his son has returned. And he throws him a big party, and a big party, big party. And he gives him a robe and a ring, and he kills the calf. Stakes for everybody. Big party party the older brother daddy wait I've never broken any of your rules and nobody ever did that for me I deserve that and I deserve more 15 and 29 of Luke, the older son says this, Look, all the years I've been slaving for you, and I never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Well, that's your first problem, son. You wanted a young goat. Dude, get something better. Someone owes me. I deserve better than this. I deserve more, Dad. My current situation is not enough. I want more. Remind you of anyone? And here's what we so often see. I deserve a better paying job. And if I can't get a better paying job, I just won't work. I'd rather do nothing if I can't get the job that I deserve. I deserve these benefits. I deserve these vacations. It's crazy. We have 10-year-olds that are angry because they don't have the new iPhone 5S. 
My phone won't surf the internet fast enough. Bow, deal with it. Don't do that. Do not do that. At least don't say I said to do that. Lord. Look around. Look around. I'm dissatisfied because my TV isn't big enough. I I really can't be happy unless my TV is like 60 plus inches hanging on the wall or maybe it's your house. I don't have the right kind of countertops or if we have another kid, they're going to have to share bedrooms and who can raise God-fearing children if they're sharing bedrooms? I deserve more. That just wouldn't be right or maybe... Maybe it could be my husband. I wish. I wish he had a better job. I wish he made more money. I wish he would be the spiritual leader of our home. I wish he could fix things around our house. My wife says that a lot. (laughs) Just kidding, she doesn't. He's just not. Or maybe, maybe. My wife, I wish she was just more fun. I wish she was more romantically involved. I wish she wasn't always with her friends and was with me all the time. I wish she would make more food around the house. I wish she had a better paying job. He's not. She's not. It's time for the Christian community to begin to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. It's time for us to be thankful in the home and on the job and in the church. Not just in the church, but you've got to be happy when you leave here on Sunday. You've got to show that attitude of gratitude when you walk into the workplace on Monday and Tuesday. If not you, then who? And if not us, then who? It's time for us to get happy, smile, encourage. Gratitude begins where my sense of entitlement ends. Our fourth observation and final observation about gratitude is this. Grateful people can find a blessing, enlarge a blessing... Or create a blessing in almost any situation that they find themselves in. Have you noticed that about grateful people? That just everything's good, man. Yeah. They're smiling. They're happy. And here we are. (laughs) Grateful people in the midst of craziness can find the best Listen, I know, trust me, I know God gives, gives blessings, but they make the best out of the worst situations. Daniel 6 talks about a king named Darius, and he, he makes a law that, that states that no one in his territory or his kingdom can bow down to anyone other than him for 30 days. And, of course, you know the story, Daniel is bold and he's fearless and he becomes a great leader in the land and he's about to get the ultimate position. He's being elevated in society. But here comes this law and this bold, fearless man. Daniel wasn't going to have any of this. Daniel wasn't ashamed of the God that has brought him this far and he had no intentions of following King Darius's decree. 
And when he hears the decree, the Bible in in Daniel 6 and 10 says this, that Daniel went home and got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And so a group of men, they, they go to find Daniel praying and not liking who Daniel is. They then go to King Darius and they, they're the tattletales of the, of the society and, and they kind of trick King Darius. You know, hey, didn't you, didn't you make this decree that people can't, you know, oh, where's I? Yeah, I did. That's right. Yeah. Well, your boy Daniel. <clears throat> Should have seen what we just caught him doing. And not to be made a fool, he says, well, we've got to follow through with with the letter of the law here. So you know exactly what happens. Daniel is taken and thrown into the lion's den and the stone is placed in the king's ring. You know the story and here's what scripture says. Daniel finds himself in a bad, bad situation. I've been in some bad situations. But I ain't been in a situation like this. (laughs) Scripture says this at first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called out, Daniel, in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you've served continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Watch, 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 watch. I love it. Daniel answers, may the king live forever. If I was Daniel, I would have probably paused for like 30 seconds. I'd be like, just kidding, I'm here. But, but Daniel apparently he says, King, long live the king. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done anything wrong before you, your majesty. If I were Daniel, ladies and gentlemen, there will be ten chapters following Daniel chapter 6 of my night in the lion's den. Yeah. If I were Daniel, I would have written it up, son. It would have been crazy. Do you know what it's like in a lion's den? You think he slept good in the lion's den? Do you think his back felt good in the morning when he woke up? Do you think there was a Tempur-Pedic bed lion's den going on back then? I, I don't think that it was the most pleasant of situations. You think he felt refreshed when he woke up in the morning? There was something about Daniel. Notice how much Daniel shares with us about his experience in the lion's den after he was rescued. Not one verse does he share about it. Me, on the other hand, if my internet is slow, if my TV freaks out, I'm tweeting about it. It's on Facebook. If traffic is horrible and I'm five minutes late to an unimportant meeting, if, if the line at Starbucks holds me up for ten minutes, I'm complaining. My day and my morning is ruined. I'm telling people about it for the next few weeks, how bad my situation... Did you see what I had to go through? That boss of mine, I'll just tell you what. What are you going to tell me? But Daniel, Daniel said, listen, there's no need to tell you how it felt to sleep next to the rear end of a lion. There's no need to tell you how awesome I am for winning a staring match with a lion. Ah. 
In fact, here's the bottom line. Daniel said, my God rescued me. My God delivered me. And he has shown up just like I knew he would. The lions didn't hurt me, O king. And you notice he didn't say the lions didn't scare me. He didn't lie about all the... No, I wasn't scared. I was tired. I was in that lion's den, man. I was like, whoa, and they just ran. It was crazy. He just gets straight to the point and he says, listen, I will be grateful and I will find the blessings of God in every situation that I find myself in. And so now what you have is this ungodly king doing evangelism because of one man's grateful spirit. This king, now he sends out a decree saying, hey, everybody, y'all got to worship this man's God because this dude's the real deal. Does being grateful really matter in the workplace? I don't know. You tell me. Because of one man who said that I'm going to find a blessing in the lion's den. If I was praising God when when I was being elevated in society, you better believe, everybody, that I'm going to be praising God when I'm down in the bottom of the lion's den. He is exalted forever. Come on, I wonder if there's anybody in the house tonight. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Come on, come on, right now, stand to your feet. And it doesn't matter what you're going through. I want you for just 10 seconds to give God some crazy praise. Can you help me do that tonight? Come on, let's praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I love you, Jesus. Thank 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 you, Jesus. Jesus. Stay standing, Randy, if you'll help me for just a moment. Brad, I, I don't really have anything to be grateful for. My, you don't know my life. I, I don't have the, the family that you talked about. I don't have the flat screen TV that you talked about. I, I, don't, I mean, I, I'm just ordinary and average. And I, I mean, I'm just not. You don't know what I've gone through. You're exactly who I'm talking to tonight. We don't need to hear a message on gratitude when everything is going spectacular in our lives. We need to hear a message on gratitude when we're in our darkest hour. When we're in the battle of our life. When we don't know if we're going to be able to make it out. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We're not sure if we're going to be able to be victorious or not. Listen, it's in this moment when you understand how victorious he is in the battles that he fights. It's in these moments. When you find out that he can shut the mouth of a lion. 
Even if he doesn't keep you from going in the den. But he can stay by your side. All night long. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't pretend to know what you deal with. I don't pretend to know the situations that you're struggling with right now. I don't know your home life. I don't know what your kids are like. I don't know what your job's like. But I know that in every situation, if you can give him praise, I don't know how it works. I can't explain to you how he does it, but things just tend to get a little bit better when you begin to find a grateful spirit. Come on, would you raise your hands all across this house? Maybe, maybe you're in a dark situation right now. And you don't know how, you don't know how really to give him thanks. Here's what I want us to do. Everybody that's maybe not in one of those situations right now, I wish that you would, you would show us how to wholeheartedly give him some praise. You would wholeheartedly, just for the next couple minutes, I'm not talking about wild, crazy praise. I'm talking about a true, reverent moment of worship to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. A moment that maybe we haven't had in a long time to stop and pause and say, thank you for your blessings in my life. God, thank you for my job. I know I complain about it, Lord, but I'm grateful that I can provide for my family. Come on, make it yours, personalize it, begin to pray that right now. God, I thank you for my family. God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my two kids. I thank you for my church. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for my co-workers. This season, Lord, I choose to verbalize gratitude Lord this season I want I want your blessings and I want the joy that you provide to sustain longer than just one day and God I lay my entitlement down at your feet and I pick up the cross God, I commit this holiday season as we enter into it to find the good and to praise you in the midst of crazy circumstances. Whether crazy good or crazy bad, you are there and you're going to be with us through the night. You're going to keep us. You're going to protect us. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.